Diddle dum dum, British Strongman Podcast, episode 40. This is episode 40, Shane. 100%. Yeah, you fucking lost the hype now. I, I spent it all last week, you fucker. Yeah, 100% number 40. We thought Luke was number 40, but it was number 39. But anyway, right, so we're going to go straight into answering a, answering a question that somebody's uh, messages both asking uh, that will be quite helpful to uh, a lot of people because I, I can remember when I was at the point where I was like stuck with which option to go for. So someone's asked their opinion on knee sleeves and elbow sleeves. So I'll say my opinion on knee sleeves. So knee sleeves, um, I think the the neoprene ones are very, very useful for like moving events and for like light passive support for um, like say get, giving you general joint joints warmth or whatever like say for instance sometimes i go in and my knees feel a bit cold and a bit exposed almost bang my neoprenes on after a bit of a warm-up and it just uh just promotes that bit of warmth and makes them feel just makes them feel better in terms of pop and support like if you're in deep flexion like a squat like they, do, they definitely you do, you do definitely get a little bit some people say you don't get any any pop at all but i i definitely do believe you believe um believe you do um but if you want in them exclusively for pop and support or in terms of giving you rebound in like a squat or um say for instance I'll, I'll use it for log cleans i'll use like triple ply sleeves where um i get feel like i get loads of pop on like say uh, log cleans squats front squats um stone loading when i'm in deep flexion so uh, loading, loading at the stone, stone runs. I definitely find a benefit of having the, the, the triple plies, and a little trick that I use, but I'm not recommending that everybody does. But more than welcome to give it a try. I actually wear my, um, wear my neoprenes, and then I uh, put the triple plies over my neoprenes if I'm doing uh, some. So it's like quadruple, um, quadruple. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, that that. Um, so brands that I I like a little kind of trick here would be I really like the um, the Cerberus neoprenes just because the um, they do they offer, they have uh, the nine millimeter ones and if you wear the nine millimeter ones and then compare to the SBDs which are strength shops which are seven mil like they feel like almost like paper thin compared like um, so an honest review not plugging anybody here. Um, so I, I actually did it where I treated myself to a pair of brand new SBDs and new range or whatever. And they came and I wore them and I just thought, fucking hell, why these feet like nowhere near as supportive as my old, as the old Cerberus nine millimeter ones. So then I just went and bought another pair of nine millimeter Cerberus ones. Um, and then I used the triple ply Cerberus ones as well. And to be honest, I don't notice a significant difference between those and the strength shot ones. Uh, the, you, you use the strength shot triple plies, don't you, Shane? Or you have done? I, I have had the double ply strength shops for about four years now. I've just used them. Uh, for me, the triples are just like a little bit too thick. I don't I like the doubles. I know a lot of people wear triples, though. I know that that's a un common opinion that I prefer doubles but I don't know why they're just like that nice medium ground between the neoprenes and the triples 
I can keep them on for my whole session. I don't have to like put them up and down all the time. And they just feel great. And yeah, the I, I just I'm a bit stuck in my ways. I've not tried another pair of knee sleeves. Like I've never even wore an SPD sleeve to be honest with you, because I'm just so happy with them that I just if someone offers me them, I'm like, I, just, I can't be asked to wear my own. Like I'm, I'm happy with them. So yeah. So for somebody who's tried quite a few, like I wouldn't. I don't notice a significant difference between the Cerberus ones and Strength Shop. And they, I had Modifit ones that I used to have and I lost. And uh, they just felt feel the same to me. Um, so I would imagine the Strength Shop ones are probably the the lowest price. I, th- I think I think they're absolutely quality. I've, I've had loads of sleeves off uh, Strength Shop. What about um, elbows, Shane? What's your, your take on like elbow sleeves for Strongman? Yeah, again, I'm I'm a weird one because I've just never, ever, ever, ever worn elbow sleeves. I have started wearing the slingshot compression cuffs over the last two or three years, and I really rate them. Um, but for me, the reason why I didn't ever wear elbow sleeves is I found that, for me, I've always had a restricted rack position anyway. Yeah. So trying to press an axle or a bar it's already takes me a couple of weeks to get into my training block, adapt to the implement and do some mobility work around it to get a good rack position. Then I put an elbow sleeve on and it just makes it even more difficult and it tends to make it worse than me. So that's why I've never worn elbow sleeves personally. But if I could get a perfect rack position straight away, uh, and then it didn't really hinder me wearing an elbow sleeve. I probably would have bought one, but I genuinely have never even... Well, I put an elbow sleeve on once, and it just felt shite, so I just never wore them again. Um, but the compression cuffs for me, again, it's on a middle ground. It gives me something, but it allows me to get in the right position, and they just feel nice. So I wear the slingshot compression cuffs. They do two sets. I used to have the smaller set, and then they released this, like, I can't remember if I call it thick one or something, it's just like an extra inch bigger and it kind of covers my whole elbow. Um, but it doesn't like bunch up like it. When I, when I have an elbow sleeve, like bunches up and creates a big bit of material between my forearm and bicep that stops the rack. But the cuff doesn't seem to do that. So I get on with them all right. I like them. Cool. So my, my take on the yeah, the elbow sleeves versus the knee sleeves, like I feel like knee sleeves, for especially if you're using them for the pop, like, I, I just think it's, like, really l- low learning curve. I think it's just, like, for a lot of people, it's just, like, free gains. Like, for if you're using it for stone loading or squatting or whatever, I just think it's uh, you whack a knee sleeve on and, uh, you know, you think, fuck me, I feel like I've got springs. Like Yeah, that's the most common thing I hear when I get someone who's never used them. It's like they feel they've got springs on their knees. Whereas the elbow sleeves, what a lot of people think is they're, like, um, even someone messaged me probably about a year ago now before a company was like, oh, I've got my uh, new double ply. I've got some uh, double ply elbow sleeves for my comp. I'm just going to save them till comp day. And I was like, oh, no. Like for, for, for his log, he's never used them before. And I just think that the, the, there's, a, there's a lot of skill acquisition to, to, um, to, to get used to for the, for the elbow sleeves because it changes, it alters your rack position. So, um, so because and on log, of the- it can affect people's clean, can't it? I think if you've got a, yeah. if you, if, if someone buys tight triple plies, yeah, I've seen yeah. them not be able to finish that last bit of the clean where it goes into rack and, uh, yeah, 
think I, th- I think um, for axle cleans it's even worse um, because you 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 just can't keep the bar close to your body. Like you have to, it almost ident- it almost accentuates the swing out that you that we want to kind of get away from and keep the bar close when we clean an axle. I mean, how many times have you seen someone come out of the Olympics to do a fucking two thirty cleaning job with a set of triple pliers on? You know what I mean? It, it, I don't think it it helps that much personally because, in my opinion, the main benefit to the sleeve is the power that you get off the chest because that's when the sleeves are it's most springy. But if you're you should be using your leg drive to get it to you know, well, past that point. And um, personally, I think, well, I've never experimented long enough, but I just, when I visualize it, I can't see a knee, an elbow sleeve helping lock out that much, um, personally. For the, so for, the trade-off, for the trade-off of the rack position, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, like, say, um, like, say, we should like this rack we, we should be getting this awesome rack position where we can almost relax the implement so we can really drive through the legs yeah i completely agree with that but the what the what the elbow sleeve can do is we, we all we, we all probably we, we all know that say any kind of overhead lift is for most of us is made or made or lost in that rack position you know when you clean a log and it feels like the fucking world and you feel like you're going to pass out in that in that rack position, versus well, you know when you're having a good day. When you did your strict log 150 the other day or whatever you did, Shane 155, like you've cleaned that there, and for a split second in your head, when it's in that rack position, you were like, "Fuck, this is going." Do you know what I mean? Because of how yeah. it felt, how it felt in the rack position, you were like, "Fuck me!" You knew you'd already made it when you'd uh, yeah. when you got it in that rack position, whereas. Um, so what the elbows, what elbow sleeves can actually do is, is actually just make, because you've got that support, can actually just make any given rack position feel a little bit lighter. So whatever weight you've got in that rack position, even though your position's a little bit off, maybe in some cases, it can just make it feel, the make the weight feel a little bit lighter. So I think I think the more suited to stuff like say say like Viking press or stuff like that, where the where the skill of the rack position isn't really much to learn i think yeah, it, yeah that's okay. i think i think it's uh awful for um for axle especially wearing triples like i think it really fucks up the clean and and the um the rack position um of which i think <clears throat> obviously depending on on budget and what you can afford and stuff like personally i i i like having a set of single plies for axle because i find that it gives me that little bit of support in the rack where it makes any given rack position feel lighter, but I can still maintain my rack position where it, where it's resting on my kind of resting on my body. So I can apply yeah. leg. So I'm getting kind of the best of both there. Um, as for like the SBD and the neoprene ones, like personally, I just think they're uh, like just, just a decoration really. Like so, somebody called me out on this uh, who, who likes them, but like I, I've tried them a few times and it just feel like they're doing nothing at all. And I've tried. Yeah, well, like- I always say to people who, cause I, I fucking, this, you get those guys that will love SBD. And I'm like, oh, the knee sleeve, it molds to your knee over time and it does this, it does that. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just a fucking knee sleeve, mate. It's not fucking molding around you over six months to be the perfect knee sleeve. It's just a piece of material. It just, it got any sleeve goes that way because you put it on your knee all the time. 
So, yeah, I, I personally don't like the SPD because the only time I've ever tried one, I couldn't get it. It was it was too much hassle to get it on and off my knee, um, yeah. basically. So I just thought, I can't be arsed. My strength shot ones, I've slid up because someone brought them in the gym. This was actually a couple months ago. Try them, they're great, they're this, they're that. And after fucking 10 minutes of filling, oh, he's like, fold them like this. You fold them this special way and you shove this strap through and you pull them on. I'm like... Yeah, that sounds fucking shite, mate. I'll just put my strength shops on. That's my opinion on them. Um, but some people say they are different, but I just... Yeah, don't... so, so go, going back going back to that, like going back to the knee sleeve thing, that's what I noticed the difference between the neoprene ones, the Cerberus ones are a lot easier to put on to get the same or more support than the SPDs. Like SPDs, I'd be trying to put a medium on to get support. It'd take a while and I'd get, t- get tired doing it. And um, I think the SPD stuff is great for if you're, like, say, competing in IPF or British powerlifting, where you can use knee sleeves in raw. Um, and I think they're also good for British weightlifting uh, because you can use that. You can use them in weightlifting comps, but that's irrelevant to most of you guys because you all take gear. So <laughs> no, am I, jo- am I joking? Um, yeah, I just, I just don't know what it is. I just fucking, if if SPD sent me a pair of knee sleeves, I would just give them away. I don't know because I just can't be asked. I'm all for walking in the gym and fucking starting my training session. Can't be asked folding my knee sleeve like origami in some special way to put it on my knee. I have to get straps for it and all this shit to get a tight sleeve on. What if I want to take it off after my set just just for the crack? Like I don't need to take my knee sleeves off. But if I want to pull them down, I just pull them down for a bit. And then I pull them straight back up. Yeah, right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's go back to, back back to the elbows to re- recap. Right. So I, I think in a nutshell, the the neoprene ones aren't really doing much apart from if you're somebody who suffers with like say elbow pain, bicep tendonitis or whatever, I could see how the neoprene stuff might keep you a bit warm. But it, similar to the knee sleeves, but um, in terms of giving you any pop or support, I can't really see uh, any benefit. I like really, really like the single plies for stuff like axle and even log a little bit because it, it just gives you that little bit of support without compromising the rack position. And I find the triples are really good for personally. I like really like the triples for log um, because I could my, my I feel like my it doesn't affect my negatively affect my clean. Um, and also the rack position is a lot like in terms of range of motion for your shoulder and your arms, it's a lot easier to get a half decent rack position, even if your shoulder external rotation and your you've thoracic tight or whatever, like most people can get a log in an all right ish position. Um, like compared to compared to people who you see some people are the racking an axle and they're fucking like in front of their eyes like if you, if you these guys are putting triples on they're fucking almost going to be locked out overhead before they're in the rack position and i'm, I'm fucking like that without anything else. <laughs> um but i think I, th- I think the triples can be can be useful for dumbbell as well because it doesn't really because again it doesn't really get get in the way of the clean too much and it can just give you that that real support in the rack position where you can, if you get your positioning right, it can feel really good. And also like Viking press, like I've said. Um, Right, let's move on to um, 
Let's move on to what we were talking about before uh, episode episode 38. Um, we were talking about round back deadlifting and, um, and we we're going to talk about our, my rationale behind um, round back deadlifting and why I feel it can be safer than flat back deadlifting for people who compete in strongman. Um, so go I'll, I'll do a little... Uh, I'll talk talk shit for a little um, minute or two, Shane, and, yeah. then, and then I'll get you to talk about your experience the last couple of weeks, putting it into practice and uh, giving it a try. Um, so basically, right, see that for general general population clients or people who take t- who uh, compete in weightlifting or people who compete in powerlifting or compete people competing deadlifting in strongman. Like you could, your technique is completely different, and I would teach those four or five different groups completely differently based on goal. Yeah. So my my rationale behind round back deadlifting and it being safer is aimed at the people who compete in strongman, maybe powerlifting, but basically people who are pushing it to the limit might be a deadlift for reps or whatever. And you do your last, whatever, 15, 20 seconds of a deadlift for reps event. And you have a look at your, your positioning and your technique, what, what the bar's doing, what position your, your body's in. Give yourself an honest like appraisal of, um, of the position. A lot of, the, a lot of people are, have, got, have gone into this fucking mong back or fishing rod or cat back or shitting dog or shitting cat, whatever position, they, what, however you want to describe it. I think a lot of people, well, everybody will have either experienced this themselves or seen it in a gym or in a competition, right? And how many times have you seen it at a competition where, where actually you've seen people go to these disgusting positions and actually finished the event and been like, they haven't died. They've gone into this, but they've gone into this awful looking position and you're cringing and it looks awful and you expect them to die and they feel fucking fine. And a lot of people aren't even, oh, I don't even feel my back or whatever. Right. So addressing this, what I would, what I, I suppose my kind of approach it, of this is aimed at those kind of clientele who are going into this fishing rod position or whatever and want to make it safer, right? So the reason, in my opinion, why these guys are, are actually exposing themselves so much and it is because what's happening is when they're starting off and they're not under this kind of max fatigue, it might even be at the start of the set. If you're, you're doing a novice comp and you're doing 180 for... 180 for reps and you do your first five reps and you feel like your technique's good, like you, like you were taught from a, a PT at a commercial gym and you're perfectly uh, straight back. And then all of a sudden you can't maintain that position anymore and you get, you get pulled into this uh, mongy position. Like what happens? Do you, uh, do you think, do you say, oh, my technique's breaking down, so I'm going to stop at five reps and take that? Or do you just keep on repping it out in this kind of disgusting position? Well, yeah, you can, most of us keep repping it out. Um, so what the reason, in my opinion, why you are going to this disgusting position where you're in this fishing rod back when you run out of leg drive or whatever 
is actually because that position is a strong position for you. That's the me- that's the message. That's basically you your body saying you are fucked. We can still get that weight from A to B. This is your strongest position to do that with under that kind of level of fatigue. Um, so what I think is, is dangerous with this position is when you go to that position is when you actually try and be too kind of, I'm going to say, like say PT school, flat back deadlift. And you actually start with that position. That's actually really unrealistic. Like people tensing the, like people trying to get the chest up and really tensing the, squeezing the shoulder blades together on a deadlift. Like, I think that is a fucking awful cue for people who train for strongman. Um, because that is just going to be the first place that 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 fatigues and you just your shoulders are going to drop and then this is going to be dangerous because you've tried to start in that weak that position that you're weak in and then the bar starts to lift off the floor and then you start getting you start getting pulled and you start getting mauled out of position and it's this in my opinion it's this kind of momentum that takes you beyond it it takes you into a worse position than you would be if you actually started off kind of somewhere in the middle, if you will. So use the analogy for people listening of like, say a tow rope, say you've broken down and you're going to get, get, um, say you've got like a, a, re- a really, uh, a really thick rope versus a, a really thin rope, right? You, you, uh, you take that thick rope, but you don't, you don't have any tension on it. And you just start, start, oh, fucking hell. I, I can't even explain what I'm going to say. But just think of it, think, think of it. Where is this going? <laughs> and just basically try, trying to, trying to think of a, think of a, a tow rope, right? If you have like a really, um, like basically, if you, you had like a, a really thin, thin tow rope and you were thinking, fuck me, like, right. If you, if you had like a, a really, really small, piece of rope and you were thinking fuck me i don't know if it's going to be strong enough to tow my car but we're going to give it a go what would you do right you what what we would do to give it the best shot of actually towing the vehicle would be would take it to the point where that it's under tension and and try and slowly hold that position rather than start yanking at it oh fucking hell I, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop this analogy i got i I can't get my words out. But anyway, go back to the round back deadlifting. So with the, with the um, basically I'm saying that if you embrace this kind of, kind of this position that you start in and this position that you finish in at your last 10 seconds of your deadlift for reps, I'm saying to you that mo- most of us, that I think you'll be able to go, if you try and set up somewhere in the middle in terms of your, um, your start position with your back angle, I think you're going to be a lot safer because you're going to be a lot, a lot, a lot better at maintaining that position and therefore the the bar path. Because the problem is when the problem is where I where I've seen seen injuries is where people have gone from one position, the bars moved and then they've been mauled into a into another position. And it's not only gone it and it's just just basically the, the the torso's ch- and the spine has changed a lot under load. Do you understand what I mean, Shane? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm saying. Whereas I'm saying that if we actually, em- 
if you find it, a lot of us actually bend over, right, to set up for a deadlift, and we find it fucking hard getting that chest up. Like people say, get your chest up, get your chest up, get your chest up to protect your back or whatever. Like if you find that hard, like if you find that hard to get that start position, like do you think you're going to be able to maintain that when you're trying to pull fucking 270 kilos? Or do you think you're going to have a better chance at keeping position at 80, 90% of your max if you actually bend over and the position work like by flexing your hip and engaging your hamstrings, get your hips in a good position, assuming that your your hips are in a good in a good position and they're not they're not going to shoot anywhere. And that position that you you kind of bend over in, like what about if you focused on locking that position in rather than actually trying to get the chest up and locking like locking the shoulder blades together? Do you think that you're going to be able to maintain that position better? Or or what do you think, Shane? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> I think that I'd be I'd be a bit shy to advise it to people that aren't too experienced or don't have a coach. Just because I think, from my experience, I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks. Putting six sessions where I'm forcing a because for me, I'm the opposite of what Josh says. There, it comes very natural for me to keep my chest up and my back straight. I've pulled all the way up to fucking. 340 or something. Well, 340 on non-calibrated. Well, no, 350 actually, that's a lie. 350 on non-calibrated bumper plate whippy bar setup is what I pulled. And then I've pulled 330 on a calibrated plate setup. Um, so my PB is 330 basically. But um, I find it very easy to get a neutral spine, find it easy to maintain a neutral spine. But felt like I'd hit a limit in my pull because it was almost as if I got below the knee with these maximum weights and then I just can't put any power and it just goes. There's no grind there. And I want the grind. I love it. You know what I mean? So I started doing this round back where it changes my position. So it obviously alters the, the kind of strength curve of the exercise. It kind of starts off a little stronger and gets a little weaker as it dwindles up. And for me, I've had the experience of deadlifting for so long that I've got the proprioception to or the awareness to basically move my spine degrees and put it perfectly where I want it and protract my shoulders and then brace and hold that position. Cause that's my goal. It's like attain my position first and then brace. And then I want to move the bar, not the bar move me. Um, and there's been some a lot of practice for five sessions and then I went a little heavier last session on Tuesday and I got a, I actually got a volume PB, um, three by three at 300, which admittedly I probably could have done at some point in the past if I just tried it, but I never have. So it's a volume PB and they moved really well. They moved exactly how I wanted them and expected them to faster off the floor, came over my knee and then it got a little harder. I had to fight for the finish. But each rep was slightly different every set because I've not mastered it yet. And those little degrees at the start point really matter. Like one of them, I actually felt my lower back a little bit, to be honest with you. And I was like, oh, fuck, I've, I, think I've, I think I'd over-rounded my thoracic and gone into that lumbar region. So I started to straighten up the bottom bit and brace harder and then round my thoracic 
just a little less. And then I found this sweet spot where I think it was my third rep on my first set was like class. So I keep watching that back, trying to replicate that. But I do think that to get it right, you got to have a lot of skill and awareness and be able to put yourself in these micro adjustment positions. Yep. So I think it def it's definitely something that you have to practice. Uh, but if you do, I think you're perfectly safe. And um, as long as you're doing like what, like I say, bracing, holding, and you moving the bar and the bar moving you, you won't get hurt. But it's like as Josh says, when you apply, well, we can't say that. You may, you may not. You, you we, we can't guarantee that. But but yeah, well, you can, yeah, you can always pop a titty, can't you? But <laughs> you know what I mean. You're not gonna end up uh, blowing the fucking spinal cord out the back of your uh, back of your ass because if you if you if you've drilled a position over and over and over and over again. That it, they've built a work passy there. That's another thing that's worth noting is I probably jumped the gun going a little heavier. You've got to build up the resilience and the work passy in the position. So if you just suddenly start trying round back deadlifts and you do like a couple of sessions, don't just go max it out because unless you're like very experienced and kind of know exactly what's going on, I wouldn't go max it out because you've not had the time yet to build up you know, that strength and work passing in that position. And it'd be a bit, I'd be a bit and, and also margin for error as well in terms of, because we need that, that's an important thing. Like, is like, say, you, you know, you, you pull being pulled slightly in the wrong position. You felt your back the other day and like, you're, you're, you're doing that with 300 kilos. You're doing that with 90% or whatever. Yeah. 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 And like, you need to respect that and actually afford yourself a mistake. Like if you make a mistake with fucking, 50 percent and you're doing a load of set to five then you can you can afford those little uh yeah micro micro uh things can't you i agree with that so my advice would be if it sounds like you and you want to try it i would add in a second deadlift day if you only deadlift once a week or if you deadlift twice a week or whatever like maybe just change one of your sessions to be think of it as a different goal so don't go in the gym thinking that you're gonna be building loads of strength and you're going to be adding to your current deadlift position but i would start really light loads of volume like start at some that, that seems stupid to most like most people don't like 15 20 sets it's not exactly uncommon for me to give people that so i don't really mind but like 20 sets of five at fucking 30 40 percent and just yeah. practice and then just let that session creep linearly for weeks and then what you might find is that after a couple of weeks, you might think, you know what, this position feels better than the main position I'm using on the other day. So then you kind of transition to doing it twice a week. And then that's when you'll be able to, you know, ramp the load a little faster and get a bit more experience as what happens at heavier weights. But you'll have built a load of resilience and work capacity in the position from the from the secondary day with all the volume. So then you, you're more likely to acquire the skill and be safe if you do it that way, rather than just yeah. in one day, I'm going to round back it. So to clarify, so I am not saying that um, that people should go and uh, deadlift for the round back. I'm not. I'm not advocating that. What I am advocating and saying that people should do is find a position that they can deadlift in, where they can maintain the same torso angle throughout the lift, like torso position. Your torso should stay locked throughout the lift, in my opinion. If your te your technique's good. Um, so find a position that, that supports this and makes you lift 90% of your max that looks similar 
to 50% of your max instead of going to this mongback position when you've got loads of people who are listening to this can probably think that, oh, well, my deadlift technique's really good until I get to 70% and then I start to get putting pulled and rounded or whatever. So if this is you, like your start position could be safer because you are always going to be exposing yourself when you go over 80% of uh, starting in this unrealistic, inefficient position and then just think, just kind of turning a blind eye to the fact that you you get you're getting pulled out to this mongy position, and it, it's not okay to do that. Like I am set, I am saying that um, you will, when in your quest to finding this position that you can maintain throughout the lift, I am saying that a lot of you will actually may actually find that um, setting up with a little bit of T spine flexion and locking it in. That was a great cue, what Shane just said before. Instead of retracting your shoulder blades or shoulder blades together, have a go at pro protracting your shoulder blades and actually separating them, getting them apart. And actually, you might, you feel, you might feel like you're hunchback and take a video and think you're fucking <clears throat> like bent over like you're trying to suck yourself off. But realistically, like you'd, you looked at some of those videos of yourself doing it, Shane, and you were like, fucking hell, I felt round back here. And yeah, I was like, going to say, it, make sure you take a video because and, and, and it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't look that much different, really, did it? It wasn't. Yeah, no, fucking, someone said to me on Instagram, it look, looks the same to me. I was like, <laughs> it's not, but it's hard to see. But it feels a lot different. <laughs> but you, 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 you will actually find that if you if you study it and get geeky, you'll st find that, like, say, a lot of uh, successful li lifters that, and also these lifters that appear that in the start position that uh, they have really long arms. So yeah, it's good for so-and-so, good for so-and-so. And then when they lock it out, they're locking it out quite high on the thigh. These people are very often people who, are, who have got this protraction of the shoulder blades really nailed on in that start position. Um, and it you is can just stand there, can't you, and retract and protract your shoulder and look how much further you can reach. You can add yeah, you, dick length to your arm just by... Uh, well, that's it. And you, you, you just get that, like... Like I suppose what in the wrap up, what I'm saying is like, if you feel like you're getting pulled out of position with weight over 70, 80% and it looks different to your 50%, have a go and you're going into this cat back position. I'm saying have a little go and have a little play at the percentages that Shane's just prescribed before. So sets of five in the 30 to 40% range um, and have a little go at say protracting, sorry, yeah, protracting the, the shoulder blades a little bit and focus more on locking the position in with your, say, squeezing your armpits and making them super tight and not letting that torso shift at all because that's the goal. The goal isn't to round you round your back on the deadlift because we're being a fucking renegade. It's a, it's actually um we're finding we're finding a realistic position that you're really, really strong in that you can maintain throughout the lift. Um, whilst having a really good bar path coming up vertically or slightly in towards you, um, without being put, pulled up, without without the position altering between fifty and ninety percent. Um, so have a bit of a play with that that position, and I'm not saying go fucking mong back uh, before anybody like starts giving a shit or whatever. Like I'm just saying that. That actually, if if that's you at your comp when you're going max and you're being you're being pulled into a round back position, it's probably indicating that you're actually pretty strong already in that kind of um, 
in, in spinal flexion. So I'm saying that as an athlete who is actually going for points at a comp based on how many deadlifts you can mong out that most of us are just going to do at a comp anyway, I'm saying in the, in this scenario that there will, there will be lots of us. In fact, I can say there's lots of guys that I've coached who have like, who have got them into this position and they just feel so much better not only better in terms of the weights that they're lifting, but so much safer. Like what, like some good, it, Shane, you just what, like say, what, watch, say my deadlift technique. If anybody watches, like look at my Instagram and watch my deadlift technique. Now forget what I'm lifting, whether it's strong or weak or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like look at my positioning and compare how I pull 40% of my max to pulling 90%. I'm going to say 90% of my max because it'll go over 90%. Then I go into this kind of mongy thing. Um, but it used to be, I used to be that guy that was like, right, well, I can, as soon as I go over 160 deadlift, like I go into this kind of fucking mong back, like fishing rod position where it just, it's just all over the place. And not only big, and, and the main thing about being pulled yeah, sorry to clarify, I haven't even me mentioned this bit. So my opinion on the, the thing being what's most dangerous when you're being pulled into a round back position, excessively rounding throughout the movement, is I don't think it's the back being in flexion that is dangerous or excessively dangerous. I think it's what happens to the bar in a conventional deadlift. And what happens more, more often than not is what happens to the bar if someone gets pulled into this mongback position, Shane, throughout the lift? Say that again, mate. If somebody's lifting, if somebody's uh, like say going max deadlift, right, and the and the back starts to move uh, throughout the lift as the as the bar's peeling off the floor, what what happens to the bar more more often than not? The bar will end up shifting outside of the. The, the power line so it'll end up going forward or backwards or whichever oh, way exactly yeah so more often than not it'll go forward like as you your hips are shooting up and your back's rounding forward as the bars left the floor the bars moved out and that's where i've seen the most injuries in on like in in kind of um for people deadlifting and i've done it myself um like 18 months ago or whatever and I thought at the time, I thought, fucking hell, it's because I've rounded my back. Whereas actually looking back at the video and actually see, like looking at it differently now, like I don't think it is. I don't think it's the because I've, I've rounded my back whilst deadlifting and doing fucking Atlas stones. Okay, every time I pick up an Atlas stone, I'm in that mong back position, but it's locked in. I think the dangerous position, a dangerous thing is that bar shifting as you're you're trying to make you're trying to maintain a position that you're not strong in. So you go to lift it and the bar moves forward away from your kind of center of mass and then like magnifies the shear forces th that are going through your spine because it's just like those millimeters, it's further away from the midfoot that is smoking your lower back more. And also and when you when you move during the position, yeah, you tend to go further than you're kind of supposed to so to speak yeah like you start neutral you you round and you end up where you probably should have started but then you'll carry on rounding 
Yeah, and then the bar goes in front of that line where you should have started, and that's yeah. that's the red zone, in my opinion. Yeah, so say, that's the danger zone. Like, this is where you can get hurt. And this, for me, is why people blow the back out on conventional deadlifts because of skill and technique, but then the same person might be perfectly fine doing a car deadlift, or they might be do perfectly fine doing a trap bar deadlift, even in this mongy position. It's because... In my opinion, it's that bar that in a car deadlift, you bar like you go into your fucking the most rotten position that you can create, but that that load isn't moving in front of the midfoot. Do you understand what I mean, Shane? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Compared to a conventional deadlift that's leaking forward and put in increasing those shear forces through your spine, so I suppose that's a thing that I've learned, and this is my belief, and it is always changing. I'm always learning. What not? I'm always putting things into practice. I'm always reading and shit. But right now, this is what what I think that um, I think like Roundback has got a lot of bad press. Whereas I, I actually think that technique and improving your bar mechanics into in terms of keeping the bar closer to midfoot for most people throughout the whole lift, you are going to be a lot safer, regardless of. Um, like kind of the position whether you're rounded or not rounded i think it's keeping that bar close to that center line as close to midfoot group as possible in a straight line as we do a deadlift i think that's the most important thing on the safety aspect and that's why you see so many fucking people who um say de the or they don't do deadlifts because deadlifts hurt the back these people who lift with the neutral spine and they still get backache and I get them, oh, I've had so many people do this. And I've got to take a video and look at a video and they're like, oh, my, I'm keeping my back straight. Why is my back hurting? And it's because the bar is like a couple of inches in front of the midfoot. They're looking at the wrong thing. They're looking at how straight the back is rather than how good is the bar path. And I think if people, more people start paying attention to uh, how good and efficient the bar path is and where the bar actually moves throughout the lift, I think you are going to be a lot safer than worrying about whether your back's straight, round, or indifferent. And we've actually touched on this before, and we've said that, in, like, I have never seen yet, I have never seen anybody hurt their back on picking up an Atlas stone, um, but because of this reason, because they fail in a fucking awesome position because that stone is is lift is balanced over midfoot. It's not popping forward like on a conventional barbell deadlift. Does that make sense? Should we wrap it up there, Shane? You're cramping up to death, mate. You can tell, can you? That's why I had to put the video off before, mate. I've fucking got the worst pet cramp I've ever had and I can't get rid of it. Go and get some uh, BPC 157. <laughs> Honestly, you were talking then and I was like, I'm in excruciating pain. <laughs> right, right, mate. Cheers, Spot on. Nice one. I'll speak See to you, mate. Peace out, motherfucker.